In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. All right, it's a great day to talk about disciple making. We are joined today by Steve Wood. My name is Mark Danzi, and this is 419 Disciple Makers, where we're changing the conversation. And so welcome, Steve. Uh, Thanks, Mark. Elated to be with you. It's great to be with you. Uh, Just for the record, Steve is my pastor, and I've learned a great deal over many years from him, and I have a lot more to learn. And so today we're just hoping that we can encourage you uh, around disciple making. What does it mean to live the Great Commission lifestyle? So Steve, tell us all you know about making disciples. Uh, Thanks, Mark. (laughs) And uh, I appreciate the kind words and uh, appreciate being on the journey with you and Jesus in this church and in life together. Uh, It would probably be helpful for me to simply share kind of the progression of uh, how I awakened to the call to be a disciple of Jesus. And the best way I can describe it is uh, in uh, uh, my mid twenties, I was, I was a man in crisis and, and cried out to the Lord. The Lord heard my prayer and rescued me through the life of Jesus Christ. And I really experienced the joy of relief of what it meant to be free in Christ and to be alive in Christ. And so you had I had a career at that point, right? You were selling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in the business world and I worked for a steel case that was an office furniture manufacturer and I was going a whole different direction than uh, God was uh, in a lot of ways. I was headed in a different direction than the direction God was calling me. But anyway, I, I uh, soon surrendered to a call to the ordained ministry, and I didn't really understand what that was. But I did know that uh, life transformation was important. And so my first awakening was an awakening an impassioned awakening to evangelize. How did that happen? Uh, Well, I had an experience with the Lord, and I wanted to tell people that uh, God really does heal, God really does redeem, God really does deliver, God really does uh, create within us a new person. We're not like a new person. We actually are (laughs) a new creation. And I wanted to share that. And so... Uh, without any kind of programming or training, just out of my experience with God uh, and my faith in God, uh, I wanted to share the goodness of Christ. And so uh, for many years, my passion was evangelism, Uh, telling people about Jesus, helping people find and discover Jesus and come to an awakening of God's great love for them. That's certainly not a bad thing. No, it's a wonderful thing. And then uh, I was blessed to be able to pastor growing churches, and I pursued uh, growth movement-type conferences and went through the whole uh, 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 seeker-sensitive season of church growth. And uh, that was a segue into a new awakening in and around leadership. Uh, we had a heavy inundation uh, in my midpoint in ministry around leadership, big premium on leadership. So I awakened to the need for leadership and then became impassioned about helping people become leaders. 
uh, even people who weren't called to be leaders. I was impassioned <laughs> to try to help them become. Help them anyway. Huh? Yeah, right. I, it was. So when I get impassioned about something like that, I go full tilt towards it. <laughs> and uh, then after many years, I <clears throat> awakened to a new reality. And which, and what I think is, uh, it's it's God's really preferred awakening for us in our journey. And that was the call not to make leaders or just to evangelize or uh, uh, even a call to salvation. All of those are important and part of the journey. But this was a call to be a disciple of Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question about that. So here's a guy who's been in ministry a long time mm-hmm. uh, in the church that the mission is making disciples. Uh, it sounds strange to me to hear you say that you did ministry a long time and then awakened to making disciples. Well, I, I, the Lord helped me with that. Uh, he helped me see that the people I was pastoring, the people I was preaching to, the peers that I was interacting with, uh, and even the people I were mentoring uh, were all in a really good place in terms of receiving and learning and gathering more information and experience. But the problem was was uh, they were the inline consumer of the gospel, and it occurred to me that I hadn't done a good job of casting a vision that um, the Lord is training and equipping them than to disciple other people, and that's a part of being a disciple of Jesus. So long story short, as a pastor, I went to uh, the most famous pastors I knew, both in our area and across the world, and I said, hey, tell me how it is you define for your people what it, it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And virtually everybody had a rambling answer that had no coherency to it. <laughs> And so I thought, well, surely this is not happening. Surely someone has a target. Uh, and I thought in terms of an archery target with a bullseye and outer rings, you know, at least you're, you're hitting the target if you're not hitting the bullseye. In terms of how we order and align our life in following Christ, first to learn how to be a, a disciple of Jesus, and then to learn and be equipped and then live in the intent of making disciples of Jesus, and in other words, of discipling others. So, um, well, I know this is a, a very important to you, and it's probably the most um, memorable thing I've ever learned from you, which is the five keys to being a disciple. And so, why don't you help? I think I think people listening to this are struggling as well with the definition of it. What is being a disciple? Some it sounds to me like you got to put on a robe and sandals and sell everything you got. Yeah. Um, how's that, uh, not realistic compared to what you teach people? Well, all I can tell you is what I've learned over the last, uh, you know, 12 to 15 years about, uh, God's call. First of all, uh, by process of elimination, being a disciple is not a philosophy Hmm. and being a disciple is not a checklist. Because those are the two places we seem to want to default to, either checking things off the list or uh, developing a, a, a philosophy that we can say, I believe this or, or that kind of thing. Being a disciple is an active state of applying the Word of God in the presence of God 
as we walk with God and imperfect people just like us. Mm. And so uh, the five keys to authentic discipleship is something that uh, we wrote that we've also referred to as the five behaviors because I wanted to focus on not a philosophy, but the concrete application of what Jesus commanded us. We know in John 14 and 23, he says, you know, if you love me, you'll obey my teachings and we will come and make our home with you, speaking of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so it's an active state of relationship, but it's also an active state of living in transformational behaviors where we can make the kinds of deposits and investments long-term in people that uh, are family and friends, co-workers. So the five keys. Well, before you get into what the five are, because I know everybody wants to know, um, you teach this all over the world. Yeah, well, I've just been blessed. It's kind of my deal. I used to go and preach, and I used to go and help build houses, and I used to go and help do clean water, and I used to go and help do VBS, and all of these things are really wonderful, noble things, but um, the Lord's got people who are specifically gifted who can do those things a lot better than me, but uh, when the Lord unfolded this calling on my life, I uh, also a debt of uh, uh, gratitude to Will Monsini and uh, the Exano people who helped me kind of frame it. I mean, uh, my personal mission statement is to awaken, train, and equip global discipling leaders. Well, and let me tell you, from my seat, you're doing it. Uh, I know you, Philippines, Russia, Costa Rica, all Macedonia soon, I think, all over the place. What kind of receptance are you getting from these leaders when you teach something that most of us would think they would already know? Well, uh, I think that the receptivity is uh, uh, pretty well commensurate with the prayer and preparation on their part. I mean, all we know is what someone has taught us, so to speak, especially in the ecclesial world. I mean, we, we all have a model, we all have teachers, we all have a system or a style that we've learned from people. And so if the call to discipleship and living in that call is not a part of our learning behavior, it's kind of a new model. And so sometimes the re- receptivity is very positive and people are hungry uh, to live in that call. Uh, other times, the initial reaction is, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you telling me that uh, I've been walking as a believer uh, with the Lord 40 years? <laughs> I continue to seek information. I continue to gather information. I know more about the gospel life and God and the Bible than I've ever known. And you're saying that's not enough. Mm. Well, that's that philosophy you're saying. Yeah, right? exactly. And uh, so you really have to be pastoral to help people learn this dynamic. Mm. And Jesus was so good at teaching his disciples this dynamic. Mm. And that is that you need to apply uh, what you learn. Wow. And so when he, uh, you know, in Luke 9, when he commissions the 12, he sends them out with power and authority and The charge is to go and proclaim the gospel, heal the sick, (laughs) raise the dead. I mean, this is some power and authority. 
and uh, build the kingdom of God. And then in Luke 10, he commissions the 72, and he sends them out uh, with the same kind of power and authority. So there's not, <clears throat> there's not like in the biblical model of Jesus' leadership, a very long season from the time you, you learn or expose to teachings and truths till you implement them. It's not like waiting on a diploma from a graduate course yeah. <laughs> or a season of college. Uh, so he had people that were just a step ahead of the people they were discipling. But the really interesting part was as they applied it, they also invited people into their life. And Jesus modeled that beautifully and invited people into his life. And the multitudes didn't just follow him blindly. They were involved in his daily life and saw him at his worst and saw him at his best. And uh, uh, I I think that's what's so so, um, exciting to me about the folks that we're hanging out with with 419 is that it's about a lifestyle. It's really not an add-on. Uh, making disciples isn't something else I'm going to do. It's uh, it's tweaking our lifestyle. So how have you as a pastor, you're a pastor of a megachurch, and how did you make that transition from the preaching, teaching, to actually investing in in the lives of men uh, yourself? Uh, Was that something that was challenging for your time commitment, or how did that work for you? Oh, yeah. Well, I I had to... uh... I had to give God permission to reorder my life and my priorities. It's really interesting that uh, I was exposed to being discipled very early on in my uh, uh, journey with Christ. Before I was ever called in the ministry, there was a man who was at the little uh, country home church that I had chosen to go back to after my hiatus from church and from God. So no sooner than I had uh, surrendered my life to Christ and really embraced Jesus as the Lord of my life after many attempts to self-lord and self-govern went awry. And this guy invested himself in me, and he would invite me to meals, and I would see him in his workplace, and we'd see each other socially, and then he invited me to uh, a men's gathering, a men's breakfast, and then he eventually sponsored me on a, a walk to Emmaus weekend, and I didn't realize this guy was discipling me. <laughs> he didn't tell you, hey, I'm discipling well, you. Well, huh? <laughs> yeah, and he didn't say, here's the classroom, and he didn't have a structured set of notes, and he didn't have a whole lot of rules. He was just trying to help me learn to live in the application of loving God, loving his word, and being a light to other people. So, uh, But it took many years for me to kind of be awakened uh, out of uh, what I'd become comfortable in. Uh, I think that uh, Bruce Wilkinson does a beautiful job in Secrets of the Vine of saying, you know, the joy of, of the initial journey with Christ is when we come to Christ, we got absolutely no experience and expertise, and we got just off-the-scale faith, because that's all we got. I mean, trusting in God. But what happens to many Christians, and especially I would suggest pastors and uh, ecclesial leaders, is after we begin to get seasons of experience and expertise and some longevity, 
we kind of settle in in systems and processes and methods, and our expertise becomes such a well for us to draw from, it actually becomes, uh, in a very tempting way, a bigger well to draw from, from the rudimentary uh, faith that we once had in a God who can do all things, work miraculous things, provides all things. And so you kind of have to deprogram. And I had a few people in my life that uh, helped me see, boy, you've been great. You've pastored churches. They've grown. Uh, you know, you got large groups of people. They seem to be pleased with how you're leading and what you're saying. But um, where is the multiplication? I mean, where are we building the kingdom of God? And I began to think about my own family and how it's discipling uh, uh, our four children. And the Lord used that just to awaken me to the fact that he did not create me just to consume the gospel. Hmm. He created me to receive the gospel and then to reinvest the gospel as I reinvest myself in other people. And this was the whole concept of making disciples of Jesus. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciple Makers podcast.